Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I brought back my friend Amy Waters from episode six to discuss navigating the holidays when it just feels hard. We covered it all from unmet holiday expectations to much weightier stuff like gathering together after the loss of a loved one. Amy offers us lots of practical tips from her perspective as a counselor. And of course, she points us to the hope that we have in Jesus as we're in the thick of the holiday season. She said, First Peter 1.13, He commends us to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that includes the holidays. When I walk into Thanksgiving, when I walk into Christmas, when I walk into Valentine's Day, when I walk, whatever holiday it is, that, that I'm going to set my hope fully on the grace that will be brought to me at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If our hope is anchored to Christ, our identity is rooted in Him and His work on the cross, and our joy comes from being invited to enter into His joy, our victories connected to the power of the resurrection, we don't have to be so self-protective. And if we're anchored to Jesus, we can kind of let go of busying ourselves with temporary and fleeting joys and hold on to the everlasting joy raise so you'll know her a little better. Amy is a licensed professional counselor, women's Bible study leader, disciple maker, and a self-proclaimed theology junkie. Love that. Amy spent nearly 10 years on staff at Pine Cove as the conference director, and it was there that God gave her a passion for ministering to women and families. She earned a master's in marriage and family counseling from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2011, and she's currently counseling at the Aletheia Counseling Center in Tyler, Texas. Now, on to my conversation with Amy on the topic of when the holidays are hard. Amy, welcome back to the Journey Women podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. i just excited to have a conversation with you today. You were like episode 06, relating to your emotions, which happened over a year ago. I remember getting off that conversation with you, Amy, and being like, that was terrible because I felt so incredibly vulnerable because we talked about yeah. relating to your emotions and I struggle with relating to my emotions. And so it felt like I was so exposed and I really was. I think people that struggle with their emotions will be able to relate to me in this, but it felt really yeah. uncomfortable at the time. Well, I thought it was the perfect setup because I struggle with my emotions in the opposite way. Sometimes they're just too many and too much and all the time. And and so uh, very fitting that we on two ends of the spectrum got to have that conversation together. Totally. We're a dynamic duo. Yes. <laughs> well, can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? I mean, where do I start? I'm a licensed professional counselor. I work at Aletheia Family Counseling Center here in Tyler, Texas. Um, and I just get to enter into people's worlds and to their struggles and to um, their emotions, their relationships. And I, I'm so honored to get to do that. I'm also a wife um, to Neil and mommy to Sam and Elle. And counseling has lended the privilege of getting to be a home a whole lot, um, which has been so good. Um, also super involved in my church. So that's uh kind of my world in a nutshell. Well, you have had such a tremendous impact on my own personal walk with the Lord. Man, I think we've known each other for over a decade now. We have. What summer did you first work at Pine Coast? I believe it was 2008. Okay. So here we, we just finished 10 years of friendship. 
Yes. So pre-marriage for you, pre-marriage yep. for me, all yep. the things. And Amy, I just want to jump through the computer and give you a big squeeze because I can almost guarantee that I wouldn't be sitting where I am right now if the Lord had not placed you in my life. And it was just, it's just so encouraging to get to be your friend. And I'm so thankful to get to share you with the Journey Women listeners again today. I was trying to think of like, what could be helpful in this season as we're approaching, you know, the holidays and things like yeah. that. We've just had Thanksgiving pass. Christmas is on the horizon. And the thing I thought about is like what we all kind of wrestle with in this little season right here is when the holidays that we love so much are actually really difficult. You know? yeah. Man, holidays can be so hard. They can. Yes. So obviously there's like the logistics, you know, like I have no presents purchased. I honestly don't <laughs> even know what we're doing. That's like very characteristic of the military. But Besides like eating too much, being overloaded with parties, not knowing how to schedule, what is it that actually makes the holidays so challenging for some of us? Oh, my word. I mean, even just those that you just mentioned are pretty stressful and can leave us kind of starting the holidays depleted. We've spent all this money. We're not eating right. We're busier than we are. All Life is busy enough and then the holidays come and just, whew, right. we kind of start the holidays already kind of driving on empty. And then on top of that, I think we have, I really do think we have a lot of expectations of how holidays are supposed to be or what yes. I should be doing. I do. Um, I didn't realize that until I got married. But then Brooks and I were sitting at our first Christmas with our kid. And I just had so many expectations on that day, Amy, and I didn't even realize it. We hadn't communicated about any of it. And yes. I ruined Christmas. Oh, no. <laughs> I think, you know what? I think we've probably all been in that place, especially around, I think, Christmas, because it is one of those big holidays where we get to yes. talk about Jesus and we get to, we really want our kids to know and understand yes. the incarnation and what that means. And we think, oh, I should be doing this and I should be reading this story and I should be doing this tradition. And then on top of that, I should have cooked this great meal and I should have done this. And I really oh, do yes. think sometimes we are just shooting all over ourselves. Yes. And it, <laughs> I'm already shooting all over myself and it hasn't even like started yet. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, we have some expectations on how I should feel about this holiday. I should be happy. I should be worshiping. I should feel this connection to my people. I And when those things don't pan out exactly the way that we had them all laid out in our minds, we can just find ourselves feeling really disappointed and hurt. Mm -hmm. Why else is it hard? I mean, obviously, like our own expectations can make it challenging of like what we expect of ourselves. Why is it that the holidays in particular tend to draw out sometimes like sadness or friction within families and stuff like that than like any other normal day of the year? The family dynamic is a big part of that. I think in addition to holidays being so hard sometimes, part of that is because family can be so hard. Right. I think for a lot of people, family members are really the only truly permanent relationships that we have. Now, I think some of us have developed community to the degree that we go, oh, yes, I have I have people that are going to be with me. That's a covenant friendship. We're in it to win it. Right. Um, but a lot of times we, we are spending time with people around the holidays that we're not choosing to spend a ton of time with all the rest of the year. Right, right. And you have an obligation to do that when it's yeah. like everybody's over at grandma's house. Yes. You know, on top of that, I think there is this distinction, too, between 
biological family and spiritual family. And for a lot of people, we have biological family that don't share our heart for worshiping the Lord or maybe don't see Jesus as central to what Christmas is all about. Their expectations are going to be utterly different than ours are for what a holiday is supposed to look like. And we may not even have that platform for being able to find common ground. Right. If our only common ground is blood and story, and part of that story includes tension or friction, and then we can expect that there may be some tension and friction connected to the holidays. For sure. I know everybody's like mentally replaying that one Christmas dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever it is. I mean, it just manifests itself so differently, I think, for every single family. But the reality is, I think on some level, I can always look back and be like, man, my expectations were unmet. And it's not necessarily that the expectations were bad even, but like, I see that often I walk away like from an instance, like a family gathering or Christmas or something with like some level of disappointment. In the family systems world, which is kind of a whole section of counseling, I use that actually quite a bit because I think families play such a huge role in who we become. Mm -hmm. And families will often have what I would call scripts and roles that we play. So I think something that can be hard about the holidays, too, is that there's a version of me that shows up when I'm with my family that I don't like that much. Why is that? It's like we revert back to who we were, you know, 12, 15 years ago sometimes. Well, because families operate as systems, for everything to flow, we all kind of have to play our part. And so even if that's really not a healthy system at all, (laughs) we tend to feel this gravitation to play our part. So sometimes even in a counseling session, you can say, okay, I want you to predict the script. And someone Mm. will say, well, gosh, Uncle Joe will complain about the food and Aunt Jenny will be, she'll only sit down once. She'll be busy the whole time. And Grandpa will sleep in his chair and snore really loud. And Grandma (laughs) will ask really excessively (laughs) intrusive questions. And her (laughs) oldest child has no patience for that. She says, why do you always say that? Why do you always do that? And you literally could almost predict what is going to happen before you get there. You totally can. Like, I'm doing that now. (laughs) So when you do that, I think what gets so hard is when you go, and I know that probably what's going to happen for me is I'm going to do this or I'm going to say this and then I'm going to regret it. So one of the things that I'll do with clients sometimes is we'll work through the script and we'll realize that, one, we need to accept that that script is probably what's going to be. Right. And... Even if we can't change anyone else's lines, I have control over what my lines are. Yeah. And so if I decide I want, I want to just be gracious and my words seasoned and ready to give an answer for the hope that I have, sometimes deciding ahead of time what your line is going to be when, you know, your sister says this thing to you or your mom criticizes something that you did or the present you brought wasn't good enough that we decide ahead of time, I'm going to do different lines this year. I'm just not going to say those lines. (laughs) Yeah, man, what a helpful thing to think through with like a friend or a mentor prior to walking into that situation. I just feel like you'd be so much more equipped to navigate versus sometimes when that happens, I like want to have a different response, but I just kind of go with the knee jerk. Like this is what I just always have done. And so here it is. And it's not what I want to do. 
No. So I, I do think part of even the expectations of us, when we walk into a holiday, you go, I don't want to be that girl that I've been here before. Right. Or I don't want to get frustrated by these things that aren't that big of a deal. Yeah. So what is our hope? Like, as we're navigating this, like, I'd love to offer some gospel hope. <laughs> and Absolutely. then we can move forward into like some practicals of like what it might look like for us to actually maybe set ourselves up for like a little bit more success, at least on our end. So what is our hope even when the holidays are hard and when everything around us, like the script you mentioned, is playing out and things just seem to be going wrong? Gosh, what a great question. I kind of come to 1 Peter 1.13. It always comes back to 1 Peter for me somehow. (laughs) Forge, anyone? Forge. Um, Yes. But he commends us to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That includes the holidays. When I walk into Thanksgiving, when I walk into Christmas, when I walk into Valentine's Day, when I walk, whatever holiday it is, that I'm going to set my hope fully on the grace that will be brought to me at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If our hope is anchored to Christ, our identity is rooted in him and his work on the cross, and our joy comes from being invited to enter into his joy, our victories connected to the power of the resurrection, we don't have to be so self-protective. Yeah. And if we're anchored to Jesus, we can kind of let go of busying ourselves with temporary and fleeting joys and hold on to the everlasting joy. That totally makes sense. And then I'm also sitting here like, okay, that kind of seems up in the clouds. Yeah. (laughs) I believe that with all of my heart, but why is it so hard for me to flesh that out when like things are actually going, Amy? (laughs) Well, you know what? I think part of it is that maybe we're not fully set on the hope of Jesus in the holiday because we think holidays are about other things. Hmm. Um, so, and I see that you'll hear people say, well, the holiday's all about family or the, holi- the, the holidays so are all about being together. or It's all about giving. Like every kid's book, I feel like that I pick up that's about Christmas or whatever. It's like, you know, the most important thing is that our family's all together. Yeah. And that really is, is not what holidays are made for. Some of why the holidays are so hard is that some of us have lost family members and then it totally changes the dynamic. Absolutely. And you know what? We tend to grieve. Can can we take a swift detour on the idea of grief? Yes. I, I think we tend to grieve to the degree that we're confronted with the loss. So holidays put us in this place where we have no choice but to face our losses. Maybe there's a painfully empty chair at Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's listening to and participating in a a tense and forced conversation all day long. And it's a reminder of the brokenness of your family. Right. Or, or maybe it's remembering that that holiday used to be like this, but now this person's not here or something has changed. You know, there is a sense where holidays are connected to family in that our traditions are One of the places where we get our sense of us, our sense of who we are, we always do this and we used to do this and what will we do this year? So there is this sense of community and we connected to the holidays. But the truth is, is that holidays are meant to be played out in the context of community, but holidays are made and created to call our hearts heavenward. They're meant to be a set apart time for us to celebrate or to worship, or to contemplate, or my goodness, hello, Thanksgiving, like to be thankful. Right. So there is, you know, even when we see feasts in the scriptures, those are set apart to call your heart to some truth about who God is. 
And we do that with family. But when we switch that around and make the object of our worship at the holidays family, of course we're disappointed. Mm -hmm. Right. On some level, it's like things will have changed. Someone will have matured. Someone may have been lost. Like you said, we may have lost like a family member, a significant family member. Relationships may be broken. I feel like every year, if you come to the table with like expectation of it looking a certain way within the context of your family, like you're always setting yourself up for disappointment. Yes. Yes. And so even thinking about what is this holiday about and how is God glorified in it? Yes. Right. So having just come out of Thanksgiving, you know, we think about just gratefulness and being able to give grateful worship to God for all he's given us, remembering even gosh, Romans 8:32 that he who did not spare his own son gave himself up for us. Will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And so whatever difficult thing you've just experienced at Thanksgiving, is also been graciously given to you. Now that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we tend to think of those gracious gifts as just the happy, joyful. Totally. Things. And man, if God gave you perseverance to endure or to be gracious to um, someone who wasn't gracious to you or to um, magnify the forgiving nature of Jesus as we forgive other people, that was a gift from him too. Bless the Lord. Yes. Yeah. What encouragement do you have for the woman who maybe she's just experienced, like you mentioned, Thanksgiving, maybe it didn't go well <laughs> um, by our standards. Like, so she's looking forward on the next couple months, like with dread thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this again. Do you have yeah. any encouragement for her? I do. I do. I think we need to be relentless in our hoping. Dread and anxiety are like best friends, right? Yeah. Because part of what I'm doing when I'm dreading is I'm picturing the horrible thing that's going to happen or how this is going to go or how much it's going to cost me emotionally. And when we're doing that, I think we have to really actively seek the hand of God. Mm -hmm. So when I did my counseling degree, um, I, I went to Southwestern Seminary. And at the time, that program has changed quite a bit since I was there. But at the time... I was studying under a guy, uh, Dr. Ian Jones. He's now at, at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. And his um, kind of his framework for counseling comes from Jeremiah 15. Mm -hmm. And this is when Jeremiah, I mean, right, Jeremiah gets called on the mission trip nobody wants to go on. Yeah. <laughs> like, go tell my people the truth and nobody's listening to you. Right, right. Have fun. And Jeremiah understandably gets weary, right? He feels totally alone and he begins to complain about the situation that God told him he was going to be in. And God says something almost uh, strange to him. He just says, Jeremiah, if you can utter what is precious rather than what is worthless, then you'll be my mouthpiece. So the framework for our counseling was this idea of extracting the precious from the worthless. Hmm. Can I find the hand of God in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the failure, in the midst of the disappointment. Where is his hand? Is he teaching me something? Is he sanctifying me in some way? Then there's the hand of God. Yeah. Is he giving me a long suffering that is like the long suffering of Christ? There's the hand of God. Is he showing me that this world is not my home and the home I long for is in heaven? Well, there's the hand of God. And so even I think we can find his hand 
anywhere that the believer walks. Yes. You're totally making me think of Paul when he's talking about how we're ambassadors for Christ. Like, I don't know, like, why wouldn't we think that we've been sent to this table, literally, as a representative of, of Christ? And the message that we have is clear. It's a ministry of reconciliation. And so, I, I like, if I think about the holidays and approach it through that lens, then the way in which I act as a representative of Christ is going to be so different than if I come to the table just expecting only to receive versus yeah. to like, what what can I offer to these people, which is the message of reconciliation. Well, and I, I think too, there's just this element of graciousness I want to have when I come to the table that, that I not expect sinners to not act like sinners. <laughs> yes. Especially when there's so much, like if it's emotional for us as believers, yeah, right? It is having, for them too. Yes. Like, especially if they're not believers and they don't have a framework for like processing these things. Absolutely. So I think, I I think to just kind of giving a gracious view um, of where people are and being okay with loving people where they are, because that's what he does for us. He loves us where we are and meets us where we are. Um, And so I think two of the hardest emotions to deal with are being disappointed. Uh And then the only one worse than that is just being disappointing to other people. Oh, yes, it is. It's the worst when you fail. (laughs) Yes. When you walk out of that and you realize like, man, I have things to apologize for here. Great. I I was expecting to be hurt, but now I actually I'm the one that hurt. Yes. Yeah. So when we're in both of those can be really distressing to people being disappointed by people that you love because they should be, or this relationship ought to be, or what I would hope a relationship would look like would be this, but what I have is this. And the gap between those two, between what we would want and what we have, like there lives disappointment and grief. Yeah. So what if somebody is expecting to have a really great holiday? They're like, I'm not even really relating to what you're saying, Hunter, like this isn't that hard. But then she finds herself in that situation, like you said, with disappointment and grief. And she's just been blindsided by these expectations. This is like totally me on our first Christmas. Okay. Brooks and I have talked about this. Don't worry. He knows I'm going to share about it today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, man, I look back on that and I'm like, oh my word. I didn't even realize I had so many expectations enveloped around what Christmas morning in and of itself should look like, you know? So what about this girl? What about me? After I experienced that on, on Christmas, this morning six years ago whether we have those expectations on the front end or we don't discover them until after i mean i think it's really just the same <laughs> in terms of grace i walked in so excited yes oh this is so sad i see myself <laughs> yes listen I, i've got my own I'm like a puppy by the tree like is it time come on come on we yes. wake up at like 6 a.m <laughs> so my very first mother's day this is so ridiculous um, I did the same thing to my poor husband. I It was my very first Mother's Day. And of course, my child's an infant. So like he's not exactly. doing anything for, yeah. for Mother's Day. So Neil, it's his job, right? It's your job to make Mother's Day really special for me. Every mom is like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't know that that was his job. Right. <laughs> and I didn't tell him. Like, hey, you need to do something for me on Mother's Day. And I woke up and I'm like, we called my mom and we called his mom. And I'm kind of looking at him like, and? Here's my surprise. Yeah. (laughs) And I found myself in the bedroom bawling my eyes out. And with my husband looking at me like, what happened to you? And I'm like, it's Mother's Day and it's my very first one. And and he's looking at me like, wow, I wish you would have said 
just one of those things out loud. I would have. And, and I think part of it is that he's normally so very thoughtful. I just thought, yes. of course he'll know. Of course he'll know. Right. That does seem very like uncharacteristic of Neil, but it, it was his holiday. It was the kid's no. holiday. I get yes. it. And to be able to go, if I can really look back on that and go, okay, I was expecting something of him that was fairly unreasonable for me to expect. But even, even if he had just blown it, right? The, just the whole sense of he knew he was supposed to do it and he didn't do it, <laughs> which is not my man to go. Okay. Can I enter mm-hmm. into that going one? I, I forgive. I mean, you just go, how can I totally have been forgiven this huge debt to the Lord and not forgive this tiny little mother's day thing? Right. Commercialized holiday. <laughs> <laughs> And really, as I kind of looked back at that afterwards, there was some self-reflection that I needed, some contemplation to go, okay, am I making too much of myself in the idea of motherhood? Yeah. Like, did I put myself up in a position to be admired and worshipped here? As opposed to being so grateful to the Lord that he had given, and we had suffered loss before that. So Mother's Day was wrapped up in all these crazy emotions. Right. So it was so good because I feel like asking God to search my heart, I realized that there was some pride attached to this notion that I should, Mother's Day is my day. And I should totally, totally. Well, I think the pride for me might even be that I think, or I want our Christmas to look a certain way because I want our kids to perceive me a certain way. I want to have these pictures and this is the type of mother that I want to be. And so in order to to do that. Like everybody's got to get on board with these really, really high expectations that mom has, you know? Yeah. And then we're now asking the people in our world to orbit us somehow. Mm. Um, Forgive me, Lord. Yeah. So we do have to be, when that happens, when we walk in, there's some expectations, Hunter, that are not crazy and unreasonable. Like I do, I do expect my husband to be here on Christmas. Yeah. Right. Pending some crazy, obviously in your situation, there may be times where deployment that that's not what I'm talking about. Right. 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 But But I, I do, I do expect him to not to just like, Oh, I'm going to go see a movie without all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's fine. So some expectations I think are fairly reasonable. And you can even like talk about them and like agree on kind of like what trajectory you want for your family, right? In advance. Would that be a wise idea? Absolutely. I think if we can communicate early and communicate often um, and communicate clearly, we can limit a lot of those disappointments. I don't think we'll eliminate them altogether. No, no, for sure. But there's certain limitations that we have to work within, right? If my budget is this, Mm. but my expectation for giving gifts is this. Yes. (laughs) You know, I I think I want to give like I'm a millionaire all the time at Christmas. And then I realize, wait a minute, I have limitations here. Right. So being able to talk through who do we give gifts to and you know, do we give gifts to all our friends? Do we, I have enough siblings. That's just not really possible for me. Totally. Like the neighborhood gifts. Like I'm like, I totally want to do that, but I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm just, I just, I, I've got nothing. I got like maybe some peanut butter brittle and that's it. And you, you know what, if that's what you can do, I mean, to give peanut butter brittle to the glory of God and, and to say, I, I love you and I've thought of you and I just wanted to bless you with this little thing. Totally. Because when we start to think of, oh, this is the kind of um, 
I, I laugh because everybody was having these conversations in Texas because our lottery got up to like absurd amounts of money. Uh-huh, and so, uh-huh. you know, when it makes the news, people who never buy tickets go buy tickets. Right. And everybody is talking about what they would do if they had all this to give. And the reality is, is that people who win the lottery very rarely do that kind of thing. Right. So there is this like magnanimous version of ourselves when we're thinking about things like giving gifts, right? right? Again, it reeks of pride in the worst kinds of ways that we like to think of ourselves as this benevolent person who gives rather than remembering that we give gifts because we've been given a gift. That part of why we give gifts at Christmas is because we are... Everything that we're doing is pointing to this gift of Christ. Yes. And if in our giving, we have somehow made so much of ourselves, we've totally missed the point of presence. (laughs) Oh, you're so right. I didn't prep you for this question at all, but say we come to the table, come to the Christmas tree with like the most humble gift. I remember this is our first Christmas. Like I literally had jars, mason jars with cocoa that I'm pretty sure I didn't even make. I'm pretty sure I just like bought Nesquik or something and like dumped it in a jar (laughs) with with some peppermints and some marshmallows. And like, I remember, I distinctly remember receiving a Lululemon shirt in exchange for my homemade quote unquote cocoa jar. And it was just, you know, you can walk away from that and you can feel like a sense of shame how can we give like i don't know like without shame and and with excitement about giving what we can give and what we have to offer even if it doesn't measure up by the world standards to what we're receiving absolutely i'm firmly convinced especially in our closest relationships that gifts really ought to live in the world of gifts and not wages yes when i receive a wow. gift okay so i have a sweet friend who just because of the jobs that they have, the money that they make, their financial situation is very different than ours. And they give extravagantly. Well, I can't. I'm just not in that place where I can give at the same level that she can. Like the cocoa's a stretch. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I think she would be offended. I do. I think she Mm. would be offended if I tried to match her somehow. Because the whole thing is that she gives expecting nothing in return. She really does mean it to be a gift. And I have wept at some of this woman's gifts to me. When we get to that place and my humble gift is not enough, I think we aren't thinking about gifts the right way. We're thinking of them in terms of evenness and trying to match somehow what what people are doing as if the value of the gift is connected to the money. Mm -hmm. And now I do, when people give generously, oh my goodness, I just, I think that is so reflective of the God who gives generously. And we know that God loves a cheerful giver. But when you give your hot cocoa, your humble and little hot cocoa that you, you worked hard to do and you did what you could and you were thoughtful and kind of trying to figure out with the limitations I have yes, and what the can I resources do? I have, what can I do to bless the people around me? That that gift ought to be received with all other gifts, with thanksgiving and joyfulness and worship to the Lord and thankfulness. I don't know. I can't go off enough about this whole idea of gifts because I think sometimes the way we respond to gifts reveals what is going on in our hearts and especially about how we perceive them and what they're for. Oh, that's just so good for me to hear because I know like sitting on the other side of that, receiving the hot cocoa, I would have been so grateful for the hot cocoa, even though I don't even drink hot cocoa. Yes. (laughs) Just because it's like your kid giving you a picture or something. I don't know. Maybe that seems too demeaning, but like it's a treasured gift. 
Well, and that you were thought of, that there was effort there, or that there was some kind of demonstration of love. What's the difference between trying and, and coming and to the table with like offering what you can versus like giving up because you don't feel like you can do enough. And so you're just not going to do anything at all. I think when you get to that place of just going, I can't please this person. And so I just refuse to even make an effort. Again, we're thinking of gifts in terms of wages. Yeah. And the wage is the response, right? If this person doesn't say then, thank you, I'm so grateful, or I love this gift, or this is perfect. Right. Maybe they're disappointed. Maybe they give you present face like, oh, (laughs) or maybe they turn their nose up at it. Maybe they're the kind of person who can't be pleased. Am I giving the gift for the purpose of blessing another person or am I hoping to get some kind of pat on the back in return? Yeah. And I do. I think there is some contemplation and some soul searching that you have to do when you when you come to those things. The other thing is, is that we can't be held responsible for how people respond. In a sense, that really has to be between them and the Lord. And so when you're dealing with maybe a critical spirit or someone who just really can't be pleased, I think it's good maybe to just go in remembering that that's what it is. Yeah. And it's not your responsibility to try and change them or to help them see where they've wronged you necessarily. That's a really good word, I think, for those of us that especially have like that helper disposition. (laughs) We're like, we're coming to see these things and we want everyone else to see them too. I don't want this to be offensive in any way. But sometimes when I talk about people and where they are, I think sometimes we look at people on the outside and we say, oh, this person is a normal, healthy adult, you know, and so I should expect that they should do this and they should do this, or this is how they should act, or this is how they should feel. And one, we're usually pretty selfish in those evaluations. What we're thinking is I would never do that, or I would never say that. Totally. The other thing that we're doing is that we're not maybe really assessing where people actually are. Yeah. This happens all the time when you're interacting with someone who's been hurt, with someone who has maybe just been through the ringer, maybe they're grieving, who knows where they are. And so out of that pain, they, you know, respond in a way that maybe hurts you. (laughs) Maybe it strikes back at you in some way. Again, I just think there's so much room for graciousness to accept people where they are. Right. Yeah. So What does it look like to come alongside those people who are hurting that just have a really hard time with the holidays? How can we love them well? How can we enter into their suffering? How can we seek to understand them and extend compassion? Even if we like just want to have a really good time and eat a bunch of food and open presents. Yeah. (laughs) It's so hard because I think in each of those situations, you might deal with them according to the situation that they're in. Right. So let's just say maybe they're in a, a place where they're grieving somehow or they're suffering. You know, I think sometimes people just so desperately want to feel normal around the holidays. <laughs> it's so true. And they try so hard. We all do. Yeah. So I think I think it's fair game to invite them into the normal. <laughs> um, don't not invite people to your Christmas party because they're hurting. Mm, don't, yes. don't avoid interacting with them in some way just because they've walked through some difficulty. Right. They may really very much want to come and eat a bunch of food and laugh their heads off with you. Yeah. But give them permission that if when they get there, they realize that wasn't a good idea to bolt. Give them permission to go in the other room. In other words, I think we, we 
invite them into the joy, invite them into, and then give them the freedom to do what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I have a very personal story on this. When I was 16, my mom um, and her second husband were walking through a divorce and it was really painful. Mm. It was the first holiday in a while that we hadn't done some of the same things. It was the first holiday he was gone. And my mom was not in a great place. Like, um, just really hurting, really hurting. We were all hurting. Yeah. And our pastor and his wife at the time for Thanksgiving that year had Thanksgiving with all the people who didn't really have anywhere to go. Um, and he invited us to come be a part of that. And so we did Thanksgiving with this totally random group <laughs> of people from our church. And we had the best time. We played charades. We laughed. We... There was nothing about that where anybody was sitting in a room crying. And and I think if we had tried to have our normal holiday at home, it would have been a lot more painful. And so I was so grateful for that invitation to come and be with them. And even though we didn't normally celebrate with them, we didn't. So I think there's an element too when you know a family is hurting or something has changed to maybe reach out to them in some way or to do some kind of gift or surprise yeah. for them. But when they don't, Maybe maybe they're not feeling the joy that day because grief is unexpected. You never know when totally. it's going to come whap you over the head. Um, and so I think people, the only thing we know to do is to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And when those moments of grief find us, we do need to have some freedom and space to deal with them. Yes, I love that. I'd love to, for you to speak to that. Um, a little more practically for somebody who may be walking through grief or for somebody who already is struggling with unmet expectations around the holidays, like how can we graciously move forward in the hope that we have in Jesus that you mentioned earlier? Well, when we're in that difficult place, I mean, I think those are the times where we cling to him and we look back and we see that part of the gift of that suffering is that we clung to him. <laughs> mm -hmm. Even if in that moment, I just had a friend describing this to me. She was describing this really challenging situation and, and um, she was looking back on it and she's like, looking back, I can see the kindness of God through all these prayers and of my friends and things like that. Like at the time it was so stressful. It did not feel like, I don't know, easy. And yet I can look back on that. And it's like such a, um, a like an altar of God's faithfulness in my life that I can look back to always yeah. to remember like his kindness, even though that situation was extremely difficult. Yeah. And so in those moments where you're walking through it, it may be a little bit harder to see, but part of that is just believing that you'll be able to see that at some point. Yes. Um, and so even thinking about what, what holiday are we celebrating and what is it all about at Christmas, mm -hmm. remembering that God is with us and there's nothing, including family drama, including loss, including suffering that he doesn't understand. He's Emmanuel and he cares tenderly for us and came to be with us. He met us where we were in every way. Or gosh, it's Valentine's Day and I'm alone. <laughs> and to remember, oh yes, I have the love of God. And he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And he's personal and lavish with his gifts. And so, you know, when you're kind of going, oh, well, there should be flowers on the counter. <laughs> right. To remember that we have the very love of God. Yes. Or, or that at New Year's, you know, you're walking into New Year. And I think sometimes people are very grateful for a year to be over. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like you get to the end and you're like, well, that was hard. Totally. We rejoice that through Jesus, he makes all things new. And that doesn't just happen at New Year's. <laughs> 
And so I think when we're kind of walking into a season where we go, yeah, maybe things aren't so new yet, to remember that in Him it is. So I think there's a little of the just directing the heart. Um, and maybe that doesn't sound very practical, but I think even writing out some of those things or saying those things out loud, I think with grief, particularly, we want to plan for it. I think we want to anticipate that grief is going to be a part of the holiday. Yeah. And to pretend like it's not going to be a part of the holiday, I think, is is setting yourself up for disappointment. So what does it look like to plan? Like, how would you go about that? So I, I think when we're thinking about something like Christmas, and maybe it's the first Christmas without someone there. Right. What that might mean is that they still have a stocking up. Mm. Or what that might mean is we put a new ornament on the tree in their honor. Mm. I had um, a client one year, we did this. We, she, we got one of those big clear glass bulbs and we got red and green pieces of paper. And she had all the family members write down something that they loved about that person or that they miss about that person. And they stuck those papers inside yeah. the ball and then hung that on the tree. So they had a moment where they acknowledged that person yes. and they get to keep that um, ornament. And then they went on with their other family traditions. So it didn't commandeer the whole day, but they gave a set apart time to it. I also love doing that with balloons to write things on balloons and let them go or something tangible, something there where you can kind of say this was to remember to honor this person somehow. I'm sorry, I'm crying because I'm I'm remembering some things like this in my own life. We lost my grandfather a couple of years ago now, and we have something like this, and it's sitting in my room, which is two feet away because I'm in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you're in your closet. Uh, on my dresser, and it's honestly, it's the ugliest thing ever. It's really not. It's not cute at all. But I keep it on my dresser all the time because it's such a sweet kind of Ebenezer and reminder of God's kindness, even in the midst of those difficult circumstances. What about somebody who has lost someone in a different sense? Like maybe they're walking through a divorce or maybe they have a strained relationship, like a child isn't present at Christmas. Do you have any hope or suggestions for them as to how they might prepare for the level of grief that they might feel in that moment? Absolutely. You know, I think those, to be honest, Hunter, can be even more painful. Totally. Because it's a complicated grief and it's an ongoing grief, right? When you're talking about the change of divorce and now they're split custody. Yeah. That's something that we repeat over and over and over again. And there's some element of disappointment and maybe even having sinned against or been sinned against. Right. So a couple of things with that, I, I do think sometimes that means creating some new traditions. Right. So for the first Christmas that you have where your child is at another place, <laughs> it's their Christmas and now you've kind of got Christmas all to yourself. We want to do something to connect with that child. We want to be able to somehow do Christmas or do special. It's okay to do Christmas on a day that's not Christmas. Yeah. It's okay to do, say, we're going to do our Christmas this Saturday or we're going to do our Christmas this time. And for the actual day, I think to plan some kind of time to do some, maybe to add something new. And that may be painful at first. I think too, giving yourself permission to just be sad. Yes. Two kinds of emotions that I worry about, right? When we're kind of proverbially crying over spilled milk, when we're upset about things that we go in the grand scheme of life, I probably ought not to be upset about that. But I think on the other end, I also worry when things are sad and people don't have the freedom to be sad, Mm -hmm. right? When we're in that kind of scenario, it's okay to say, this is not how it's supposed to be. 
Yes. What a potent opportunity to preach the gospel to one another in that moment too, you know, to encourage one another with the reality that this isn't as it ought to be. And yet we have hope in Jesus. One of the sweetest things I think heaven will be for us is that we will all be what we ought to be. You will be what you ought to be. You'll be the kind of friend, the kind of wife, the kind of mom, the kind of worshiper, the kind of worker, the kind of that we ought to be. And so when things aren't as they ought to be, I think there is something really sweet about longing for the day when all is set right and all is as it should be, right? If we're going to should all over ourselves, let's talk about how it should be when we're here in heaven and, and that's... <laughs> And, and God makes all things really new. Yeah. And so when things are disappointing, it's okay to be disappointed. And when, when things are sad, it's okay to be sad. Again, I think sometimes that expectation that holidays are only wrapped up in happiness is missing some of the depth and the color that God paints in holidays. For sure. And this is the reality of like holidays <laughs> and, and life between two advents, right? Like we are waiting and looking with eager expectation. Like as you're talking, I'm thinking about that hymn that we often sing at Christmas. Come thou long expected Jesus. May it press in us and cultivate in us and stir in us a longing for his return. Can't wait. Amen. Cannot wait. So if somebody wants to navigate the season that's coming up, whether it be Christmas or like you mentioned, Valentine's, any of the holidays, what kind of resources would you recommend for them if they're just wanting to maybe do this a little bit differently than they've done it in the past? I mean, can I just make a shameless plug for counseling? Yes. Um, <laughs> I asked for counseling like for Christmas and for holidays because it's it's kind of like an expensive thing for our budget. And so yes. it's, I have literally asked for that for a Christmas present. And I think I'm going to this year. Yes. I mean, I do. I think getting with a trusted counselor or mentor, it doesn't have to be counseling. Although I think counseling, is, obviously I do it because I think it's helpful. You're going to have like a million requests now between now and Christmas. <laughs> Listen, I know to gear up around the holidays. This is, there are a couple times of years of the year that we just know as counselors, it's going to get busy and the holidays is one of them. Wow. That's so interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Usually a couple of weeks after school starts and everybody's kind of settled into routine and yeah. if kids are having a hard time, we get a little busy there. Holidays, we get busy. And then I think that's really kind of the main times we gear up. Um, and then summer, everybody disappears. We're like, oh, well, we can just take a break in the summer. Do you have some <laughs> tips on how to find a good counselor? Well, there's a couple of places that you can look. There's the American Association of Christian Counselors. Um, you can look on there and find counselors in your area. I love to help people find counselors close to them. So I'm happy to take requests for that. Um, I think, too, uh, asking your pastor or asking um, usually uh ministry people in their area will have identified resources around them. And I think word of mouth can be very helpful. If you right. have a friend who's gone to a counselor who's been very helpful and very encouraging to them and is solid in their theology, because I do think we have to be very careful for those of us who believe that's such a big part of who we are. I think it would be very unwise to go see a counselor who does not. I think that would be one of my main caveats is to make sure right. that they're going to value and uphold this thing in your life that is so big and so important. Totally. If you're just kind of looking for how do we kind of point this holiday to be God-centered and uh, 
you know, glorifying to Jesus. Um, Noel Piper has a book called Treasuring God in Our Traditions. I love that. Yes, I've seen that. I haven't ever picked it up. And she has some really precious ideas on just how we kind of call our hearts Godward in the midst of the holidays. Really, the main resource I would say is if you're wanting to talk through expectations, just grabbing a trusted friend, grabbing someone you know will tell you the truth. Brooks and I are like going to do this because I've learned. (laughs) Yes. And hashing through some of those expectations. What do you hope this is going to look like? And how do we do that? Are are there any parts of your family traditions that you want to carry on that are really important to you? The more important it is to you, the more clearly you want to communicate it. Mm -hmm. There are going to be things that we just have to let go of. Right. There's probably some little things that we just, you know, need to just pass over and be okay. But when they're really important to us or kind of part of the core of who we are, right. I think we have to communicate about them. And and that's where I just give the shameless plug for counseling. A counselor can help you work through that. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. Amy, thank you. I feel more equipped already. So thanks for the counseling session. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime, anytime. Uh, Counseling sessions are definitely one of my simple joys, but what are three of your simple joys, Amy? Well, I thought since I did before I talked about some simple joys, I'm going to give you three of my holiday simple joys. Ooh, that's so fun. Okay, so at Thanksgiving, one of my favorite things that we do is pie breakfast. Oh my word, that sounds amazing. Is it like pumpkin pie? Whatever pie we have left over, we get all the leftover pie out. That is so fun. On the day after Thanksgiving, and we eat pie and drink coffee for breakfast. Okay, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Somebody else told me their simple joy was snacks for dinner. So this repertoire of like new meals is just <laughs> right on point for my season of life. I'm adding this to the list. Yes, pie breakfast. I actually have a friend who did um, pie breakfast with the like her community. She would have friends come oh, and everybody fun. brings their leftover how pie. Fun. And they, that is one of my simple joys at the holidays. So for Christmas, one of my simple joys is just after dinner and everybody everything's cleared and everybody's gone my mom and i love to well and my sisters too we all love to sit down uh, again this kind of revolves around co- coffee but we call it happy time mm. um at some point during the day we stop all the preparations and all the presents and all the craziness and we sit down and we just get face to face for a few minutes and we have a cup of coffee together i love um, that and we, my mom literally has a sign in her house that says happy time and we hang our mugs on it. <laughs> That's precious. I can't wait till my kids can drink coffee. That's going to be so fun. <laughs> you know what? My three-year-old already asks for it and she, <laughs> she says it tastes good. And Neil was like, That's it. she drank it black once. And I was like, there's no way she finds yeah, that Yeah, you're going to give her like a little sip and she's going to hate it, right? No. Nope. She loved it. And Neil was <laughs> so surprised. And I said, babe, you know what it tastes like? It tastes like growing up. <laughs> Elle would. (laughs) She would. She just, she went to Sunday school a couple weeks ago and she told her teacher she could not come in without her coffee. I can't do, she said, I can't do anything without my coffee. And I was like, oh boy. Oh my goodness. Hello, little mirror. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) This is so wonderful. Oh, well, those are excellent. Do you have another one? Um, I do. I do. I think uh, um, another holiday simple joy for me is just cooking. I love to cook. 
Um, and so it's so fun for me to prep the meal, to kind of plan it all out. And I really do take a lot of delight in just banging around in the kitchen. And so I really do look forward to that at, at holidays. And you got your beautiful new kitchen too. Your husband uh, like reconstructed <laughs> your kitchen and made it awesome. He did. He's the and, best. and I have, um, I have a gas stove now, so I'm really about to get crazy up in here. Oh yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh, well, Amy, you have had such a tremendous impact on my own journey with Jesus. I've already made mention of that. Who is it that's had a great impact on your own journey with Jesus? Oh, this is always such a hard question for me to answer, not because there's not one, but because there's so many. (laughs) Again, since I've kind of answered this question before, I was thinking about someone who's influenced me during a season of life that was really difficult. Mm. Because I was thinking about that particular holiday where we we were just hurting and kind of needed to do something new, I was remembering my dear friend, uh, Robert Wheat, um, Robert and Becky Wheat. But Robert was my youth minister when I was in high school and really just loved me like a daughter. Um, In fact, when I did the homecoming court in high school, um, he walked me in the place of a dad and um, was among the first to really challenge me to study God's word and to, he gave me my first opportunity to teach a Bible study and taught me how to prepare for it and just loved me, even in practical ways, things that a dad would teach a girl. And I remember him very distinctly saying, if a guy's even so much is going to take take you to Whataburger, I'm meeting him first. Wow. And and he entered into our world in a way, and I think it would have been very scary. We Single mom, four daughters, it's a lot of women. (laughs) And he just uh, cared for me in a really profound way. And, And so I think my walk with Jesus at that season of my life was greatly influenced by him. Oh, that is tremendous. Loving Mr. Wheat. Yes. <laughs> so well, actually, true. he's he's Dr. Wheat now. He's uh, got his PhD. He's a pastor <laughs> now. And um, so I like to tease him. He's Dr. Wheat now. <laughs> Dr. Wheat. I love it. <laughs> well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a joy to have you on. Thank you, Hunter. Always a pleasure to just get a little time with you. Guys, 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 I know you're bummed I didn't release this before Thanksgiving because wasn't it helpful? I know we found it to be so. Brooks and I are spending Christmas by ourselves as a little family again this year, and this episode with Amy encouraged us to have a conversation about expectations before Christmas morning so that we can hopefully navigate this a little more smoothly than we did all those years ago. Hey, if you want to join in on more conversation about when the holidays are hard, be sure to find us over on Facebook or Instagram at Journey Women Podcast. I want to let you guys know that we only have two episodes left before I go on maternity leave so that we can welcome our third baby into the family, the Lord willing. That said, it is a good time to make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on social media so that you won't miss out on new episodes when we come back on April 1st, 2019. You can also check back for older episodes in the archives like my conversation on relating to your emotions with today's guest, Amy Waters, back on episode six of Journey Women. Guys, it's a joy to get to journey alongside y'all. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week and happy holidays. Don't leave the night.